Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor. We talk about movies on this show. That said, this episode is different than normal because we are starting a new thing that we're going to do once in a while here on Influx. We are going to, instead of talking about a movie, because that's what we normally do, we'll, we pick a movie, we watch a movie, we talk about the movie, that's what we normally do. This is different. This is going to be the first half, the first part of a countdown list, where we both went and made a, a top list of some kind, obviously about movies. In this particular case, we are doing the top 50 movies of the 2000s, uh, meaning the decade of uh, 2000 to 2009, not just like everything this century. Yes, that's an important yeah. distinction. Uh, yeah. Well, see, you don't do that. You don't have to specify that for any other decade. It's just when it's no, the first no. one. No, I mean, what you should do is, you know, the, 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 the top movies of the noughties. I hate saying that, though. I know, but it's, it is it is the distinction. I die a little bit inside if I say that out loud, so I'm, I'm not... I, I, I get you. I did, too, just when I said that. I'm like, I didn't want to say this, but that is the distinction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say the teens for this decade, even though they're not all technically teens, but, you know, whatever. It's close enough. You know, 20s, 30s, yeah. we're fine after that, but... Just that first one's kind of awkward, but that's what we're going to do. So we've both got our, our own top 50 movies of that decade, uh, and the way this works, we did this in Screams After Midnight uh, in October, we did our top 100 horror movies, it's going to be the same format, uh, except this time obviously it's me and Connor, and Connor will give his number 50, then I'll give my number 50, we'll explain a little bit, you know, after each one as to why we picked it, why we like it, and we'll just rotate and we'll just keep going. So this first part's going to be 50 through 26, and then the second part of course will be 25 to number 1. And uh, the way this is going to work, normally these go up a week early on Patreon. This is going to be slightly different. This will go up about three or four days early on Patreon. And then when part one goes up publicly, part two will go up for patrons early. And then when part two goes up for public early, or, or, or public on time, I should say, uh, then that's when the next movie will go up on Patreon. And we'll back back into the week cycle. So it's actually quite simple. It just sounds awkward to explain it. But You'll basically... You, you've got you, you, you're already subscribed. You hit your notification bell, and you'll just go. Oh look, it's oh, there. Oh sure, yeah, you can do that. But the point I'm making is, because we're not treating this as two weekly episodes, this countdown and as two parts. We're doing this as one week, two part thing. But so you get yeah. you're getting double episodes this week essentially with the countdown. But regardless, uh, that is all the explanation I think we need. Um, so we'll see how different our lists are. I'm I, I, likely insanely. Yeah, I, I have seen a lot more movies than Connor has, I think. Probably, but I know that even even besides that, there's movies that I flat out love that you just don't like at all. So, Yeah, I have better taste than Connor, so this will be a very that, that's, interesting that's, comparison. No, we, we will let the audience decide that. <laughs> if they agree with me, we'll let them decide. If they don't agree with me, then no, they don't get to decide. <laughs> it's just usually how it works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to start this. And this is going to be something we do every once in a while. We're going to do this maybe every three months, give or take, make it a quarterly thing. Uh, with the exception being the next time is actually going to be about a month away. We're going to do one at the end of January because we're, we're, we're doing a thing in the Facebook group where January is sci-fi month. So we're going to do top 50 sci-fi movies at the end of January. So that's coming a bit sooner, but then after that it'll be every three months, give or take. We're going to do something like this because uh, we think it's fun to do. Uh, yeah. and a little bit different. So... Without any further delay or explanation, Connor, what is your number 50? So my number 50 is Cowboy Bebop, the movie. Have you, have you that, seen this? I'm assuming not. No, I've not, I've not seen no. your anime movie, no. It's Move really on. good. It, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's set between a couple of episodes towards the end of the show, and it's this extended adventure. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. 
and I, I know Peter is is already hating the start of my list, so that that gives That's me exactly. a little bit of extra taste. When I did the the top one hundred horror movies with Tim, his like first pick I think was like Leprechaun. <laughs> I had no, the same reaction to that. Like it was just like you you both started, and I'm sure there's going to be some good stuff that LA on your list, but you both started with something. Now, admittedly, just to just to, just to make a bit of a distinction, Leprechaun clearly very bad. Cowboy Bebop, I'm just not into anime. Yeah, objectively, you can't say it's bad. Everyone tells me Cowboy Bebop. Oh, you like Firefly? That's the one you'll like. Eh, well, yeah, sure, whatever. Con- Connor sent me the the opening titles once, thinking, "Oh, listen to this music," and I was like, "I don't really it's, like it that it's much." The, the potentially the best opening title sequence in all of TV. Nah, didn't do it for me. So my number fifty, <laughs> my number fifty is Panic Room. Cool. Not seen this one. Of course you haven't. Uh, so I'll make fun of Connor's picks, and Connor will just sit there and stare at me blankly because he's not seen the movie. This, of course, is a David Fincher movie. I feel like it's a David Fincher movie that does not get as much credit as it perhaps deserves. I actually think he made a really solid, tight, essentially sort of thriller action movie uh, about Jodie Foster and her kid who, you know, did, okay, she turned out to be her from Twilight. Sure, right? But you can't hate her that much in this one uh, and they hide in their panic room as like you know three criminals break in and it's, it's this kind of like they're hiding in there and there's a lot of tension there's a try to get in and get out try to like call the police just try to call for help uh, obviously it's finished it's very well shot it's very dark very suspenseful uh, so no I, I really like panic room I, I like panic room more than some fincher movies that everyone swears by but I, I love it I think it's a really solid well done simple concept cool so my number 49 is uh, another animated movie that Peter probably hasn't seen. This is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Do you know, I haven't seen that, but I actually do like Wes Anderson, so... So you're not going to just give me shit for this Oh, one. no, no. I, 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 hey, it's a lot of dislike animation here. That's not no, spread, no, sp- spread uh, misinformation. No, no, that's true. No, this is uh, really quirky and fun. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit here as I'm talking. I don't know if you can tell. This is really quirky and fun. And uh, it captures the spirit of the story, and it's got a, a nice animation style, and uh, it's it's really upbeat flows. Is it based on something? Uh, Roald Dahl. Oh, stuff. okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Uh, my number forty-nine is The Strangers, which is a horror movie from two thousand eight. It's a home invasion film about three creepy individuals who. Oh, look at that! Three people breaking into a house again. That, that's a weird theme back to back for my picks. But they break into a house. Liv Tyler's there with her husband, and it's it's a horror movie that I I don't see enough of. Where it's mostly these long suspenseful sequences. It's a lot of silence. It's characters standing in the background where you just kind of notice them at one point and go, "Oh shit! Have they been there the whole time?" It's that kind of thing. It's a really effective little horror movie, and I feel like now it gets a bit more love that it kind of deserves. Whereas maybe at the time I didn't see a lot of people talking about it, but over the years, if it was a sequel coming out next year, so clearly someone's noticed it. And I, I assume you'll be covering that on uh, Screams next year. Then. Uh, that, that that will happen. Yes. Yeah. No. That's that's been on my radar for a while. I just not got around to that one yet. Shocked. But... So you've not seen. Actually, I've not seen your two either. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't give me shit so, for that. So far, so far, we're two for two, where we've not seen the other person's picks. It is. I'm keeping um, track. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm half expecting you to not have seen my 48 either, because that is Howl's Moving Castle. I have seen that. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I like this. I think it's a, uh, you know, another you know, classic animated movie. Um, it's got the, you know, the steampunk feel, and it's a lot of fun, and it's got, it's got a heart to it as well. 
Yeah, I don't remember this one all that much. I know I've seen it. I watched like a few uh, Ghibli movies. Over, yeah, yeah, I've only seen a handful over the course of like a year or so, and some stuck out in my head a little bit better than others did. And this one was. I, don't I, I like. Well. I like that the it's got a, a style and a, and a world that I like. Hmm. That's fair. Uh, so that's three animated movies in a row. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I think they kind of clump together. Whether maybe towards the bottom because they don't stand out as much, but okay. I like them. Uh, my number forty-eight is Capex. Uh, it's just a movie based on a book. It stars. Uh, well, unfortunately, Kevin Spacey's in it, but <laughs> that's a weird now. But Jeff Bridges is also in it, and Kevin Spacey plays uh, a, a man who claims that he's actually an alien from a planet called Capex. And Jeff Bridges is a, is a therapist. He works at a psychiatric institute, and it's about him trying to like, convince them that he's a regular person, and it's about uh, Kevin Spacey's character trying to convince him that he's actually an alien from another planet. And it is two, you know, real life actions aside, two fantastic actors doing what they're good at uh, playing off of each other and this this weird game where you kind of want to believe him that he's an alien but you, you, obviously it's really far-fetched and it's hard to like, kind of digest mm-hmm. and it, it kind of plays with that as a, a great character uh, movie uh, with ideas of hope, ideas of like, oh, is there something greater out there that we don't understand that you know, maybe this psychiatrist has to be you know humble himself a little bit and accept that something's there uh, or maybe he's just completely right, and this guy is just a damaged individual who, who something really bad happened to him, and this is kind of where his minds went because of it. Uh, so no, uh, really good. Yeah, cool. So forty-seven, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So this is yeah, quite low. It's 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 up there on my Harry Potter's. Don't you mean uh, a Sorcerer's Stone? Sure, filthy heathens. <laughs> I will not kowtow to peer pressure. <laughs> Original titles here, damn it. Oh, and, you know, unless they're in a foreign language, in which case uh, I will use the translation. But, you know, this is this is a kid's movie, essentially, this one. But, it, you know, it sets up the franchise, it's got a heart, it's got a, it's got a really solid, you know, pace to it. And I, I watched it again just recently. I actually enjoyed it more this time than, than I have done when I watched it a few years ago last I, you know, it's it's kind of a a bit of a Christmassy movie for me, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of just you know kids having fun, and you know magic. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know you'd say that. You're not you're not super big on Harry Potter, though, are you? I think it's fine. I, I I'm kind of it's this weird thing where Harry Potter is this huge thing, and I'm just kind of indifferent to it. Like I ha- it's not like because. I actually like the the Star Wars movies. I like I like more than Harry Potter by quite a margin. Like I, I really like the original Star Wars movies, and I like Force Awakens. But Star Wars as a fandom annoys me way more than Harry Potter because Harry Potter's huge. But like it's, I'm indifferent. It's like that's fine. You like what you like, but uh, you know I'm just kind of yeah, like, that's yeah, fine. No, I I do like them a lot. These movies. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't know. I never get into it as a kid, so that 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 nostalgia was never there for me. That's pretty fair. I kind of grew up roughly around you know as around that age. Where, well, where, the know, thing is, is, when the first movie came out, I think I was 11, 12, so I wasn't, like, super old to not be yeah, into it. Yeah, I think, I think I was about 8, so, you know, but, give or take. Because there's a lot of people that were, you know, and when I say my generation, I, I mean specifically in my year at school who got super into it. I, I just yeah. never uh, latched onto it for, for whatever reason. I, I, did, I did eventually see all the movies, uh, even get dragged to a midnight showing of... Uh, yes, yes. I did. I did one. once watch all, all eight of them in in one day with it with a bunch of friends. That was a that was a real fun day. 
Oh god, that's just like that scene from a uh, Yes Man, I think it was with Jim Carrey, where he, he gets he gets invited to this Harry Potter party, and they're watching all the movies. Like they get to the end of the first one, and the goofy guy who's running it says, "Oh, it's time for Chamber of Secrets," and they're like trying to make excuses to leave the entire time, and everyone's dressed up as Harry Potter characters. I'm just imagining that. But it it but wasn't you. that. There, there was. Like you know, eight of us, lots, lots of booze, and, and also, Harry Potter. Also, if you put on like one of the, the Gryffindor scarves, you're basically just run easily immediately. So yeah, yeah, I used to get that a lot. <laughs> uh, not, not so much anymore. I get other comparisons. You know, that was kind of falling out of favour. Uh, well, you, you grew a beard, I guess. I mean, but that's what got you yeah, from even before it. that. No, I think it just you know, the, the the Harry Potter phenomenon kind of not it didn't go mm. away. I mean, it's definitely it's come back lately with you know with Fantastic Beasts, but other other things took its place. Other gingers. <laughs> Number 47 for me. Uh, we're going back to a horror movie. This is The House of the Devil, which uh, is a 2009 film set in the 80s. Uh, it's about uh, a, a, a college-age girl who gets a job uh, babysitting one night, or what she thinks is babysitting. It actually ends up being taking care of someone who's old and sick rather than a, a kid. But it's... Uh, basically a movie about the fears of the occult at that time period and the fears that your neighbor might be this satanist who wants to like sacrifice you to someone mm. uh it's a slow moving it is brooding it is all about tension it's a, a very so it genuinely looks like it was filmed in the la 80s it's, it's got so much mood to it yeah it's, it's a mood film uh i'd actually say the ending is the weakest part when everything happens just because it's the, it just couldn't almost live up to how good the, the build-up was nah, i agree with that but uh, it's a really solid movie i highly recommend it uh i think ty west who directed it uh typically puts out solid horror movies and i think this is the best of them that, he, that i've seen him do so um yeah uh, house of the devil yeah solid so my 46 is Monsters, Inc. This is, you know, obviously Pixar classic, you know, back in back in the heyday still, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where where they were un- universally praised and loved. And I, I don't think Pete can give me too much shit for this one, because even he must like Monsters, Inc. I don't like Monsters, Inc. <laughs> good, well, good. Why do you assume I'm going to give you shit for every anime? I like plenty of no, animated no, movies. I, I don't know, but <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to be clear that... That, that I'm aware there's other things coming up that I'll probably get shit for, so I'm, I'm making the most of the ones where I'm not. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. and uh, of course, this is you know movie with such heart, you know, classic Pixar heart, isn't it? And it's it's very funny. I, I just yeah, I love this movie. Oh, I, I like most of things. Most of things are solid, solid, uh, good time, good good characters, good voice actors. You get John Goodman, Billy Crystal, uh, can't can't fault that. And uh, Steve Buscemi as well uh, has a good role. A lot of fun, yeah. So my number forty six is Sunshine which hmm. is the science fiction film by Danny Boyle. And Danny Boyle's a director who I don't have a great relationship with. Uh, that's a weird thing to say, but you know what I mean? Uh, I don't love a lot of his movies. People, yeah. you know, go on about certain Danny Boyle movies. I'm not into a lot of them. I really like Sunshine. It's, it's partly because he, he made a film that's right in my wheelhouse. He, he made yeah. something that would appeal specifically to me. Uh, this is a, a beautiful... I don't want to say realistic because it, it goes to places, of course, uh, as it goes on, where, where it gets a bit more fantastical. But it's it starts off at least with a very grounded sort of science fiction setting where you've got this ship going towards the sun to restart it. But the ship itself, you know, it, it feels like a sort of uh, an authentic kind of scientific ship. It doesn't feel like it's got all these bells and whistles for the sake of it. There's, you know, there's, there's the, the, all the rooms you'd expect there. It's very clinical, very cold. And you've got these characters on this mission and just 
there's a lot of the theme of loneliness is there, the theme of redemption is there, the theme of sacrifice is there, and then it goes into some really wackier things. There's some good action sequences. The music's fantastic. In fact, the main music piece from this has been reused in so many things <laughs> since this came out. It is unreal. It, it it's, is. It's yeah. popped up in Kick-Ass, it's popped up in The Walking Dead, it's popped up in adverts for things. Yeah, uh, trailers and adverts galore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in one of the X- one of the X Men movies had that in the, the in the trailer if I remember right. So, yeah. pops of all the places. It's a fantastic piece of music. Great, it is. Uh, I love it. it. Sometimes great. And some people have a problem with the third act. Uh, I do agree it shifts, but I ha- I actually have no problem with where it shifts to. Hmm. Okay. But there you go. Uh, so yeah, forty five. Uh, Youth in Revolt. This is you know it's it's Michael Sarah coming of age film. I'm I'm a sucker for coming of age movies, uh, and this is a pretty solid one. What, what, what more do you want? Sometimes, I mean, yeah. But once you actually come of age yourself, maybe you won't see the appeal as much. It's more of a fantasy for you. Uh, <laughs> Look, I just like the structure of the movies. Give me peace. Uh, I saw this at the theater when it came out. I don't really remember much. I thought it was kind of forgettable, but. It, yeah, have at it. <laughs> it's, it's not the it's not the best of the genre. It's but it's solid. I don't know because he, he does this thing where he plays two versions of himself. He's got this yeah. like asshole version of his character that I I don't remember being as funny as I thought it could have been. Oh, okay, no, that's fair. But I, I like his Sarah has a, a smugness that sometimes he doesn't get to use very much. So this utilised that. Okay. Uh, my number forty-five is Dark Water. This is the original Japanese version of Dark Water, not the Jennifer Connelly American remake. May I point out? Uh, this is actually, I believe, this is the first ever uh, foreign foreign film with subtitles I ever watched. Mm, okay. I remember buying the DVD, thinking I want to try these foreign films. <laughs> I want to see what the fuss is about. I want to, you know, get, see if get I can you. watch a whole movie. I think I think I was maybe like thirteen, fourteen. I like I want to try this, and it was it was great. It's the same director as The Ring, the original Japanese Ring, and it's you know it's again it's, it's slow moving. It's, it's it's tension. It's it's a supernatural movie where it never feels the need to do lots of explanation to the supernatural stuff. It's just really, really, really good locations, really good lighting, really good suspense building and direction, all that stuff. Uh, great visuals, and it's the type of ghost story that you typically get out of Japan or certainly uh, Asia as a whole, maybe. But uh, no, it's very unique to that that, that place. And because uh, whenever the US tries to emulate it, it fails miserably. Mm. And I, it, it usually does, yeah. And I, I can't inclu- think of any really good examples. And I include the original ring in that, which I know some people will fight me on, but I, we rewatched that for Screams uh, a year or so ago, and I do not think that, that one holds up. I'll be honest, I haven't seen that in a long time, but I don't recall it being fantastic. Yeah, it didn't work for me, especially since we watched it a few weeks after watching the original. And it just like, really stick out as an inferior version. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. Well, that's fair. So my 44 is Ocean's Eleven. Now I know this this movie. Yeah, I know it's not a. I know I, I can see the sneer that he's coming. It, it it thinks it's cleverer than it is, but I have fun with it. Swimming in mediocrity right now from your side of the table. I mean, I mean, no, I don't think so. I think this is fun. Mediocrity. That's all I'm saying. Fun. The the fun movies that are just you know okay no these are just a bit more fun. These kind of slip 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 to the bottom of the list. Okay, okay. Um, my number forty four. Now, this is fun. This is School of Rock. Oh, shit. I forgot about School of Rock. Ah, yeah. See, his list is immediately invalidated. No, no, no. I'll give you that. That should have been on my list somewhere. School of Rock. This, this is... 
you know, it's got that classic thing where it's this the it's the music competition movie where they have to practice over the movie, and obviously there'll be people telling them they can't go. I always compare these things to Sister Act two because it's, it's the first type of movie of this that I ever watched. I think, and I like quite a bit. I like Sister Act two, but like I remember Sister Act two, like one of them, like they can't go, their parents won't let them, and then they change their mind at the last minute. And this kind of has that thing where the parents aren't really for it, and there's all this humor. But it's also mixing in classic rock music with this idea of Jack Black training these kids to be a rock band. And and Jack Black is just Jack Black. Yeah, and honestly, the song they came up with for the movie at the end is quite good. I kind of like that song. So. Uh, I think it's very likeable, I think it's got a lot of energy, I think it's genuinely funny. It is family friendly, but there's a lot of jokes that kind of work for older people. I, there is. I, in particular, there's a joke when he meets the parents for the, like, I don't know if it's parent-teacher night or whatever, but he meets the parents and he's like, hey, your children have really touched me, and I think I've touched them too. That is a really dark joke, but it's really it, funny. It, it is, it is. And and the kid actors are, you know, they're not awful. I mean, oh, not yeah. all of them. There's, there's some weaker than others, but mostly they, they hold their own. Well, they, they were cast mainly for their, their musical talent. Yeah. <laughs> which works, because it means they can actually do all the stuff. And Because it's actually it's got a scene that plays throughout the entire closing credits that is... I, I always sit for, because it's a really fun little... You know, they're, yeah. they're a little song, a bit of jam session. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a very heartwarming, endearing, well-spirited movie. Definitely. So my forty-three is Gladiator. B- back when when he still made good movies. <laughs> hey, The Martian was good. That was only a couple. Of years oh, ago. No, that's true. That's true. But consistently made good movies. He's never consistently made good movies. More consistently. Seriously, if you look at his career, you'll see that there's these spots between all the good movies where he's made stuff okay. that's not. Uh, all right, fair enough. So, I, I feel back then though the the gaps weren't as long. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but. Uh, whenever I started to realise that Ridley Scott I like him as a director but he has a lot of mediocrity sort of mixed in with his good stuff I went back and looked at his list and I was like oh you know there's like things in between here that aren't as yeah no no I think, I think maybe this is the illusion of just looking back and going yeah. oh, it wasn't as bad then but because you don't remember it, the yeah. weak ones as much uh, of course of course so. but no this is obviously it's a, it's a classic it's you know great performances great music even if it gets you know reused and borrowed repeatedly in in his oh, own no, works, no. Uh, like some people like to give Hans Zimmer shit, but there's a reason why Hans Zimmer's Hans Zimmer. He's done so many good good there scores. Is. I mean, I, I feel like he gets more shit late, uh, on his more recent works because they feel less original than what he was doing because he's playing on the same motifs and ideas. So by its nature, it kind of feels like okay, I've heard this before. Oh, that's uh, fair, but I think for a good couple of decades, he was. On the top oh, of his game. Yeah, he was the, the go-to man in, in Hollywood. And, I mean, still kind of is. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, obviously, uh, he has some uh, more forgettable scores these days, but I think he still he still looks like a great one. Every, every few movies, he'll... That's true. No, I got the, the Interstellar score uh, on Vibe. Yeah, that's a recent one, and, yeah. Uh, I, I don't love that as much as some of the other stuff that year, but it's it's solid. It's mm. real good. Uh, but I, most of the times I watch with Nolan, I mean, Inception's another one where the, the scores is... Phenomenal, yeah. I mean... Time's like one of my most listened to tracks of ever. Oh, that's a that's a special piece of music, that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but Gladiator's a whole, yeah, Gladiator's very good, yes. I, I, I concur. Uh, I can't make fun of this one. I actually like this movie a lot, so, yes. Yeah, good. Good good pick, finally. By the way, I'm, I'm still only like two years that I've not seen. I'm keeping track. I, I, I lost count. I'll, I'll have to go through them at the end and, and see your <laughs> list and let you know. Okay. Uh, what number are we at? Uh, that was 43. 43 for me is Pitch Black. This is a science fiction horror movie starring Vin Diesel. Uh, it's had a couple of sequels, of course, which, first sequel, not so hot, not terrible, but 
that certainly did some things in Chronicles of Riddick that I wasn't fond of. I had a much better sequel uh, a few years ago, uh, just Riddick, which was pretty cool. But this was a movie uh, that came out of nowhere. It's like, you know, I didn't know about it before it hit. I remember it, I think I caught it on when it hit cable, you know, but this mm-hmm. came out in 2001, I think. So it was maybe 2002 when I saw it on cable. And it's just a really fun horror, you know, it's, it's clearly a little bit inspired by aliens and that kind of thing. And the whole thing with it is it's a, it's a planet with a gimmick. And the gimmick is that the monsters can only come out at night. However, this planet has three suns. So it's only once every, you know, several decades where there's this eclipse that happens where it actually has nighttime. Because there's, yeah. you know, three suns, so usually there's light. But every every so often they'll get this eclipse, and it's them trying to fight their way off the planet. But Vin Diesel's character, who's a criminal, he's a bad guy, he's a murderer. He has eyes that let him see in the dark. He had, he had these implanted, like, before for, for his criminal ways. So you've got a bit of a redemption thing going on with him, where maybe he becomes a better character by the end. And you've got these other characters, and you've got them being picked off one by one. Uh, it's a really solid... I mean, I wouldn't say it's, like, an amazing film... But if you like all these things that I'm talking about, it is like the best of the best type of B movie you would want from Hollywood. It just yeah. it works on all these fun levels. Well, that's cool. This this is one I haven't seen, but it's uh, I recently went through and you know you mentioned we're doing a, a sci-fi stuff in January. Mm. I was going okay, what do I want to watch? And this is one that I was like, I, I really like the concept of this planet, and I was like, okay, I know I know it's uh, a lot of people don't love it as the best, but it, it seems kind of fun. Yeah. So it, it's on my list for January actually. And one of the things that uh, Riddick got really... Because Chronicles of Riddick tried to do this thing where it was like, oh, this turned into a Star Wars, a space opera movie. <laughs> That's what it tried yeah. to do with the second movie. Uh, it doesn't really quite work for the most part. Uh, it's not terrible. I, I haven't watched it in a long time. Maybe one day we'll do them all in the flux and I can you know, revisit the whole trilogy, as it were. Yeah. But the third one, uh, it, you know, it goes back to its roots. It says, okay, no, no, we're on a planet that's got a gimmick with monsters but it's a different gimmick of course not the same as the first one well you can't do the same one again that's boring yeah so it's a different gimmick but uh, you know, so, so it really tried to do that so it's maybe slightly more of a rehash than the second one was but it still does its own thing enough and the, the impressive thing about the third movie is that the first like 25-30 minutes it's just Vin Diesel on his own hmm. on a planet trying to survive I, yeah, that, that concept there's a very classic B-movie sequel yeah. thing. You know, it's like, okay, it's the same thing, but just with a slightly different twist. That's yeah. just a very old, tried and true, true, true sequel trope that you don't see very much anymore. Yeah. I won't say what the twist is because it is kind of not revealed for a while. But whereas in okay. Pitch Black, it's just a concept. So you can just, you can see what the co- the thing is. Uh, yeah. But, hey. Yeah. Uh, so, I Pitch Black. Oh, cool. So, my 42 is Star Trek, the J.J. The Abrams reboot. Oh, okay, okay. I think this is a, a really solid blockbuster. Uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's not the best Star Trek movie, perhaps, and I know that a lot of Star Trek fans will you know fight for that you know to the death. But it's a good movie. It's a good blockbuster. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine blockbuster. It's it's what funny. I, I think having watched more Star Trek since, and I think beyond being better, I think. You know, with a bit of time, it's maybe not aged badly, but it's just it's not like I don't see it with the same sort of. No, I agree, and it's viewpoint that I, did once. I, I will agree. It's definitely a case of of Abrams wanting to do Star Wars, uh-huh. <laughs> and as as my opinion being that is the superior of the franchises, and in my opinion, before you fight, uh, I like that, and that was at a time where I didn't think I was going to get any more Star Wars, so it was nice, and I, I still like it. Okay, yeah, no, I I will. I, won't, I, won't, I shall say nothing. 
Okay, well, my number two is... You mean 42? 42, sorry, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> 42. Jumping ahead a whole video yeah. there. My, my number 42 is Dodgeball. Now, I'm not someone who you'll find with a lot of comedies on my list, typically. Uh, you'll see some stuff that's kind of mixed with other genres. Uh, but this is... Honestly, this was such a big surprise for me when I saw it when it came out. I remember it was out at the same time as Anchorman. And I remember me and my friends, obviously in, in high school at the time, wanted to see Anchorman, but it was sold out. So we saw Dodgeball. Love Dodgeball. The following week, we went to see Anchorman, and I did not like Anchorman at all. So, so fate stepped in <laughs> and took me to the better movie. Uh, to this day... If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, is one of the funniest lines of dialogue in the history of cinema. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, Rip Torn being the angry dodgeball coach is fantastic. Uh, I love it. Um, what's also, also funny is there's a moment in this movie that from that first theatre experience, I remember something happening that didn't, but I'm convinced to this day that I saw it. <laughs> what on earth are you on about? There's a moment. There's a moment where after a line that was so on the nose, I thought the character looked at the camera and just stared at the camera as if that was stupid. But he doesn't do it. I just, but in my head, I always remember him doing it. So, uh, but hey, how strange. No. Also, Alan Tudyk's in there. Alan Tudyk's in like a million things. I know, but he's he's from Firefly, <laughs> which is fantastic, and yeah. you know, that's Josh Whedon, who also did the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right. All right. Okay. That, that tells me a lot about placing of something else is going to be in another is going to be in another video. Dodgeball is a uh, very very funny. Uh, I, there's not a whole you know straight full on comedies that tickle my itch, but honestly, I really like Dodgeball. Hmm, cool. So my forty one is the the first crossover that we've had now. Uh, it, oh. It's House of the Devil. Oh my. Yeah, and uh, we we already kind of spoke about it. yeah, real nice, real good tone. I like it. Hmm. Okay, my number forty one. Is Inglorious Bastards, or Bastards, mm. if you if you want to pronounce it uh, as it's written. Uh, so Tarantino, of course, uh, despite what Connor might say, uh, is a fantastic director and a fantastic writer. Uh, this is a movie where most of it is people sitting across the table, and it is riveting. It is absolutely riveting stuff. Uh, it's a build of tension. It's a series of essentially vignettes of these scenes the build-up as the story. And then, of course, it goes to the insane places at the end. You've got Christoph Waltz being absolutely fantastic. Brad Pitt, who I wouldn't say I typically like, but being directed by Tarantino, uh, again, one of the funniest moments of this decade, I think, uh, are him saying that he can do an Italian accent, and I won't spoil what, what, what happens... Or not an accent, sorry. An Ita- he can speak Italian. He says he can speak Italian. And I won't spoil what happens, but he, he actually shows his Italian skills. But it cracks me up every time. So it's very darkly funny, and also it's the movie that I believe introduced me to Michael Fassbender. So you know, that's always worth something. I I will say this is probably my favorite Tarantino movie out of the ones I've seen, which is you know, a reasonable amount. Uh-huh. And I'd give it like a it's a solid seven, which is you know it, it's it's pretty good. But it's I mean I tell you now it's not making my list. So yes, no no Tarantino will will be appearing. Yeah, no Tarantino, but plenty of anime. I've had two anime movies. Two. Admittedly out of ten, but two. <laughs> We've got all 40 to go, so let's see. <laughs> well, this is a good point. So, well, I mean, number 40. Uh, 
it, it is an animated movie, but not anime. This is this is another Pixar movie. We've got Ratatouille. Uh, I think this is you know a lot of fun. It, it, it plays on the you know the the tropes of, of restaurant and French cuisine, and you know just throws in a rat because why not? Uh, now Ratatouille is fine. It's, it's it's a movie that I don't think a lot of love at the time, but I I enjoyed it. Uh, I wouldn't have put it above Monsters Inc. That's the only thing I'll dispute you on. If I'm disputing your Pixar rankings, I'd have put Monsters Inc. above Ratatouille. But no, oh, I mean they're, they're pretty close. I mean they're, they're separated by you know a handful of films here, but in mm. in the Pixar rankings overall, they're pretty close. All right, uh, my number forty is Stardust. Talk about a movie that I ignored because it looks silly. I saw Robert De Niro in a, like a tutu or something. Uh, on, a, on an ad at some point and it looked like a fantasy movie and I'm not really into fantasy typically and it was only later after Matthew Vaughn's other movies started to come out and I was like oh I really like this guy what else has he done and I went back and I was like oh Stardust okay you know what I like the director I'll give it a try because creative talent always trumps concept I love concepts of course everyone loves concepts but I think this sounds a bit pretentious but I think what separates like a casual movie person or a movie fan to a, an actual movie gore like a you know I don't want to say aficionado or you know anything pretentious like that, but you know someone who's really into movies and cares about them as a part of their life. I feel like the difference is the idea that you have like filmmakers you like and you you kind of just try whatever they make because it's them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think that's a big, a big distinction. And so you know, despite the fact that I'm not really into fantasy or whatever, yeah, Matthew Vaughn's movie and it is a goddamn romp and a half. It's fantastic. Uh, the music is phenomenal. Uh, first of all. Uh, it is very funny. It's got his trademark wit throughout. It's got funny villains. It's got funny heroes. Uh, it's got Daredevil with his actual English accent <laughs> as the hero. And uh, not that I knew that at the time, because even though it was later, this was still before Daredevil when I watched it, because I mean, Daredevil had come until 2015. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, plenty of time. So, no, no, it's, it's, it's very likable characters. It's got a solid likable story. It's a very tight uh, structure of a movie, very tight script. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's the villain. She's very good in that. Every, everyone's very good. It, it's, I, I feel like Matthew Vaughn does not get enough credit for how solidly, like, in every like, aspect his movies tend to be. He's like, very dependable, isn't he? Yeah, his effects like tend to always be good as well, which is not even necessarily him that's directly doing it, but clearly he hires the right people, he gives the right calls, and you know mm-hmm. makes them spend the, the the time on the things he he knows need to be pristine. Oh, and, no, that's fair. So it, it falls on his shoulders ultimately, yeah. doesn't it? So uh, yeah. I recommend it. It's a blast. I, I think it's it's fun characters, fun fun romance. I don't typically praise romance, but I actually really like the romance in this because at the start of the movie, you know, he, he's into the, the the awful girl that he thinks is the love of his life, who like bosses him around and makes him jump through hoops. But then he falls in love with the the fallen star that is Claire yeah. Danes, and I, I mean that literally. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. I, I've not actually watched the movie, but I've read the book, and uh, I, I do very much like it. Uh, as a story, okay. so it, yeah. it, I probably should watch this at some point, especially as I know it's actually got talent behind the camera. Like, like I say, I don't typically like fantasy. I was way into this. That's yeah. nailed it. Everything about the tone just hit it perfectly for me. So, hmm. okay, thirty-nine. Finally, one I know Peter can respect. Uh, this is sympathy for Mister Vengeance. I can't respect the placement, but yeah, go no, on. no. I mean, <laughs> there, there there are other things higher, but it's it's on here. Be be grateful, dud. Damn it. Yeah, but there's a lot of shit I know is going to be above it, which is why why I can't be completely happy about it. <laughs> no, uh, that's fair. This is the, the, the first of the, the Vengeance trilogy. 
and it is it's it's har- it's pretty harrowing isn't it let's, let's be honest oh it's dark as shit I, I i love this movie and i showed it to friends of mine like you know a few years after i'd saw, seen it and i showed them old boy first but i was like oh, you need to watch something for mr veggies it's also fantastic and it got to the point where one of my friends was so uncomfortable with what was happening in it that like they were mad at me for showing it to them oh no no i i, I watched old boy first and i was like yeah i want to check out more from this guy so i i went and watched this and it, it's it's excellent isn't it and i don't yeah. i don't even want to say too much about it because you just need to experience the yeah. horror of it i will say obviously it's, it's about vengeance but it, it actually shifts the movie's in two halves it, it shifts between main characters halfway through yeah which is very much the point because it's like two sides of the same sort of thing it's like two it's like <laughs> yeah, why, you see why one character did something that led to something bad and then you see how that shifts to another character and both of them are it's and it, it's how this this revenge is a cycle yeah yeah. Uh, so very very good very well directed a lot of awkward silence a lot of uh, really breathing and, in. and a, a genuinely heartbreaking ending yeah and also occasionally darkly funny like, I, I think this is one of the things mm. that uh, Asian cinema maybe specifically Korean cinema does very well is it'll take a genre that's really dark and it has re- really like nail biting moments this movie's full of really dark shit but sometimes it'll make you laugh because one of the dudes who happens to have green hair, which is not why it's funny, but it just adds a little bit extra to it, where he's just a, bit, he's just a little bit goofy. And he yeah. just he approaches a situation in a way that does not make sense and most people wouldn't. And it's just kind of amusing, even though it leads to something really bad later on. But that's oh, actually, yeah. it almost makes the dark stuff hurt even more because it feels like it's not just a dark world we're in. There's, there is happiness somewhere in this yeah, world. Yeah, there is levity yeah. and you know, care and love. It, it, so it makes it so much worse. All right, my number 39... Uh, speaking of dark movies, uh, no country for old men. <laughs> if you've not seen this, this is not a laugh a minute. This is just straight up misery, <laughs> intention for you know two hours or so. Uh, it's a movie where I know you. Some people hate the ending because of how downbeat it is. I, I love the ending because of how downbeat it is and how much it just kind of like. Again, it's, it's almost like uh, it's, it's almost a commentary on, on vendettas and, and vengeance and that kind of thing amongst other things and you've got good performances but mostly it's a Coen Brothers movie and the I think I think there's two types of Coen Brothers movies one that I really like and one that I can like or not like depending uh, that, that being the more sort of levity film yeah, yeah, yeah. Coen Brothers uh, movie they can work but sometimes they just kind of fall flat this is a straight up thriller tension uh, suspenseful sort of standoffs and like you know, it's, it's about a character who He's at, he's at this like deal that goes wrong, and he just happens to be left with the money, and he goes on the run. So this hitman's like chasing him down for the money. Is this this or let's say hunt, bounty hunter maybe a better term, but regardless, mm. full of great scenes, and the villain is so intimidating. So you know, yeah, uh, good stuff. Oh, cool. So my thirty-eight is Bronson. I ah. think this is actually a, a very underappreciated Reffin movie. Probably his most underappreciated, because you know, he has movies that are very divisive, but this one kind of just gets overlooked, I feel. Hmm. It's funny, actually, there's another Reffin movie that almost made my list. Hmm, okay. Um, I'll just say what it is, I don't think it's spoiling too much to say, but uh, Valhalla Rising just missed the cut. It was almost hmm. in my top 50. It's a very good movie. Yeah, very beautiful, yeah. Maz Mikkelsen, all that, but yeah, Bronson, yeah. of course, Tom Hardy, and uh, all of his penis... And a hell of a performance from him. Let's, let's I thought you were going to say like, a hell of a penis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's that too. We, we, we've all thought it. But, like, I mean, obviously Tom Hardy has a lot of recognition now. But, I mean, he just goes so into the character. And, you know, you believe the instability. 
Uh, yeah, you know, he just he just really goes for it, and it's it's got a a very unique tone for this sort of movie because obviously it's it's kind of a biopic, but it's got uh, this this strange faux narrative that that's being presented. Hmm. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, no, it was a great performance. Uh, very erratic and psychotic, as you say. Uh, very unhinged. Yeah. Uh, but my number thirty-eight, and you probably didn't expect this from me, but my number thirty-eight is a documentary. The documentaries count for this? Oh, okay. They're films. I mean, they are, but I, I just assumed that for whatever reason they didn't count. I didn't really think about considering any. Well, there's only one that I would... I mean, there's one, a couple that I like from this decade, but there's one that I wanted to put in. There's one that I, I care probably. about. The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Okay. Are you familiar with this? I know, I, I've not watched it, but I, I do know what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a, a story about the original Donkey Kong game, the arcade game, and this this gentleman, uh, Weeb, Weeby, Weeber. I, I, I don't know where else to watch it now. I can't remember the names. Uh, but he is like trying to beat the world record, and the movie does such a good job of painting the current record holder as a villain. Uh, B- Billy Mitchell, I want to say his name is. Uh, he's, you know, he's just he's this villainous guy, and you feel like the the commission like tracks the the high scores and stuff like they're bending over backwards to give him whatever he wants because they trust them and now the new guy oh no this is dodgy the, the the tape of your high score jumps for a split second there's something not right about this we can't accept this uh it's a movie with ups and downs where you're rooting so hard for him to beat this asshole and get the high score i shall not say how it ends i will just say it's riveting and if you ever you know if you like the history of video games it's also got some history in there and you know talks about that kind of stuff um it's very good. Uh, uh, I actually have two video game documentaries I really like now. The other one's uh, about Tetris, but that wasn't this decade, so I can't, yeah, uh, yeah. can't recommend that one. <laughs> you know, I was in an arcade for the today for the first time in about a decade, and I had a blast playing an Aliens game. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not often you... Yeah, typically, the only time I seem to be around the machines is when I'm at a bowling alley, because they tend... That, that's, that's where yeah, I was, yeah. They tend to have an arcade. Uh, yeah, 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 I think uh, I'll, I'll maybe partake in a little bit of Time Crisis or... Yeah, yeah, if there's yeah. an Aliens game, well, maybe... I mean, well, I, I don't do it very often, but I thought, do you know what, I'm here, screw it, I'm, go- I'm going to go yeah. for it. And I had a blast. No, no, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So, 37, this is Ip Man, sometimes called Yip Man. This is a, a Donnie Yen movie. It's a, a biopic about the, the guy who taught Bruce Lee. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty good movie. It's the story of, you know, he's, he's, he, he's a, a wealthy martial artist and, you know, stuff goes wrong and he has to you know work to provide for his family and he ends up you know teaching his martial arts to others and you know it's this story of you know becoming more humble essentially and you know and spreading your experience but solid story yeah a point i've not seen this one so oh cool i i'd, I'd recommend it that's that's three for the record <laughs> yeah you um, you a fan of donnie yen honestly i don't really have uh, an opinion like, I haven't really seen him in enough to... And, it, and only the things I've seen him in are things that I don't particularly like. So I'm thinking okay, Rogue One, yeah. and I'm thinking uh, that show that he's got on AMC. Oh, uh, Into the Badlands. Yeah, yeah, which is... Yeah, yeah. For the first couple of episodes, I did not like that at all. It was basically yeah, uh, poor, poor Man's Lazarus. Do not hold him responsible for that. Oh, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but like I say, I've never seen him in anything that I loved, I don't think, from the top of my, my head. So, so uh, my number uh, 37... Uh, back to a foreign film. This is a Spanish film. It is Rec, R-E-C, or Record, depending on which way you want to phrase it. This is a. Uh, it's, it's bizarre because it's uh, a found footage movie, which I don't typically 
you know, no, they have to go above and beyond, don't they? Yeah, I don't typically fall over those. It's a found footage zombie movie, which most of the time, especially these days, if you say, oh, there's a found footage zombie movie coming out, I'll roll my eyes and be like, no, stop oh, it. Another one. Yeah. But this is a, a Spanish film where a reporter goes, she's doing a documentary about firemen, uh, firefighters, and what they get up to during the night. And they get this call to, to an apartment building to break into a, a, an apartment because an old lady's stuck and might be dying or something like that. So they, they break in, but it turns out she's actually infected with a zombie virus. And the whole rest of the movie set in this apartment building. And it's them trying to survive these zombies. And it is great. And I love the ending. I love the... Because it has more mythology than most zombie movies do. It actually sets up this reason of what was actually where it came from, where the virus started. And I love the I, stuff. I, I often find the end. that really underwhelming. Normally I do. I like it in this movie, though. Okay. I usually hate the answers to these things, but in this movie, I thought it was a different twist on it that I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like that, especially since it 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 played with the scares after we find out, like with that tangent in mind, to give us this extra element to it. But it wasn't just mm, okay, uh, just a zombie movie anymore. But no, I, I like it a lot. Uh, sequels are also good, uh, you know, in various degrees, but they're, they're all kind of worth seeing. So no, correct. Cool. I think for, for all our differences on our list, it's interesting that 37, we both had foreign movies. Oh, go on. Yeah. Well, no, that was Oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going second, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 36, you're going to hate me for how much lower, how, how low this is. This this is unbreakable. Go on. Get, 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 let, let's get out of the way quickly. I'm, 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 I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying anything. All right. Okay. No, not... it's a pretty damn good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's very good. I enjoy it a lot. But I don't quite love it in the same way that everyone else does. I mean, I mean, I only saw it for the first time at you know, pretty much the start of this year, give or take, because we we it was one of our earliest episodes on Influx, mm-hmm. and you know, I like it. It's very good. Just, just you know, it's it's you know, it's t- it's it's thirty six. That that's where it is. That you know, you you get that. You're gonna hate it when I say some of the films that are coming up. But yeah, <laughs> I can just see I can just see your age <laughs> seething. I'm not gonna say too much more on it because I'm sure you've got it much higher, and you can you can give you your reasons why you actually really love it later. My number thirty-six is Batman Begins. Hmm. Batman movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, what do you want? That's the short. That's the short explanation. It is a Batman movie that respects the character. It's a Batman movie that uh, is you know by a good director for a start, which you know does does it helps. Yeah, difference number one with maybe some later films that I have a problem with. But I, I think, just just to sort of give my experience of Batman Begins, just briefly, because I'm sure one day we'll do these on Influx and do a big more in-depth It's only a matter discussion. of time, isn't it? But I just, I remember going into the theatre and not really having cared about Batman for a long time. I liked, I liked the animated series a lot growing up. I was a big Batman fan when I was a kid. But in my teens, I'd just kind of forgotten about it. I wasn't really a big deal. I saw this movie and it kind of reminded me why I liked Batman. And there, I think there's a couple of moments in this movie where I was almost tearing up at just how right it was if that makes sense like it wasn't that it was doing something emotional it was just this gets it this isn't goofy this isn't the stupid bat nipples or it plays it straight and yeah. it goes you know this could be ridiculous we're, we're aware you know but it never treats it as yeah. if it is ridiculous it, it plays it serious it treats it with respect it treats the character with respect and yeah i mean sure if you want to be really nitpicky about it you could go through it and like maybe say things that could be better but this is like this was like a night and day jump for superhero movies. This was like no, we can do better with these, and this was an example of that. 
yeah, I mean, there's a reason why this trilogy is still kind of revered as some of, if not the best superhero movies by many people. Yeah, so now Batman Begins, uh, I shall leave it there because I'm sure one day we'll, we'll go really in-depth on these movies. But Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So my 35 is District 9. This is a, a really interesting movie. It's, it's, uh, it's very heavy with its messaging, shall we say. It's not subtle, but it's solid. Like the, the actual, you know, obviously the messaging is very good. And it does the, you know, the classic sci-fi thing of, okay, let's take a, a current issue, you know, refugees, immigration, and, you know, and let's just, you know, take it to a, an extreme, aliens, and, and let's just go with it. Oh. And you got action, you got good yeah. science fiction storytelling, you've got a good character arc, you've got all these things. And, um, and strong direction as well. Yeah, really strong direction. So, no, my number 35... Uh, it's also a science fiction film. This is a much more depressing science fiction film. This is The Road. Uh, this is a movie in which it, the, the world's went to shit. We're in a post-apocalyptic kind of fallout. Not quite fallout, but bordering on it. It's a wasteland. A lot of people have died. Uh, and we've got this father, played by Viggo Morrison, traveling with his son. And they're they're trying to avoid, you know... I'm going to call them raiders, because that's what they're calling fallout. But just basically bad people who will... To try and steal from them, try and kill them, maybe try and eat them, maybe rape them, like all these things. Like they could be encountering anyone. Like you can't trust anyone in this world, and it is as cheery as you could possibly imagine with that plot and with that premise. Uh, music's fantastic as well. This is another one where the score is one that I listen to a lot uh, in the, yeah. the, the 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 year following, and obviously some sometimes still do. Yeah, no, I, I've not seen this one. I've seen chunks of it because I, I mm. studied this movie in in university. Uh, obviously, because the the music that's what I studied, and uh, so I've listened to the score a lot, and it is excellent. And again, this is another one that I went through and added to my list to to watch in January. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I, you, you started like you were going to say something else. Sorry. Uh, Thirty four uh, is Donnie Darko. I I like this a lot. I, I know Peter doesn't, and I, I know, but. I don't, I don't think you're necessarily in the majority on this one. I think a lot of people like this movie. Oh, that's not, no, a lot of people do. Do, do you know my problem? I don't think it's a terrible movie, right? I think it's okay. My problem with Donnie Darko is that it's sort of a movie that should appeal to me. It's doing a lot of things that I would like, typically. Yeah. It's just maybe not quite landing the way that I wanted to. I think my main problem with Donnie Darko is the movie that people who don't watch like who only watch mainstream stuff they watch Donnie Darko and then go I'm into indie movies I'm into like, <laughs> I, I'm into these weird movies like no you're into, you've watched Donnie Darko right yeah, no no I get what you're saying uh, <laughs> and that is a problem but I, you know, removing the the culture around it as a movie I think it's really good I like it a lot and it, you know the things that you're saying didn't quite land for you did land for me essentially and it's, not, uh, it's, it's no Southland Tales that's all I'm saying <laughs> sure but it's good, and again, fantastic score. I wasn't saying that was good, just for the record. Southland Tales is terrible, but it's a it's a funny terrible. Hey, th- th- those are enjoyable watches. There's a scene in that movie where a truck has sex with another truck. Well, now I need to watch this movie. <laughs> how how can you say that and not expect people to watch it? All right, so uh, <laughs> we'll be on number thirty four. Yeah, for me is Into the Wild. Which is a movie actually directed by Sean Penn, if I recall correctly. This is a true story about uh, this guy played by Emil Hirsch, who basically he, he wants to like break off from the grid and he, he wants to go and just sort of live 
uh, life on the road in the wilderness, do all that kind of thing. And it's a story about him, and it's told it's told like out of uh, order, because we have him like in sort of the the sort of present day or whatever you want to call it, uh, where he's in this like wilderness area and he's just living there on his own. And it flashes back to how he got here, how he sort of broke away from his family, who he encountered on his travels, and how he eventually got here. And it's funny to talk about because it's a true story. So you could, I actually have a friend who was watching this close to when I watched it actually. And she said she realised it was a true story halfway through the movie. So she she made the mistake of looking up his Wikipedia page just to see. And the opening line was like a spoiler for the end of the movie. And she's like, oh, that was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, it was. Don't don't ever do that. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't know the true story, I'd say, yeah, don't uh, like look it up. Just watch the movie and find out that way. Because it's, it's really... I'm sure there's some stuff that's obviously not accurate, but... Uh, but basically, it's a story of uh, like him wanting to be alone, and you know maybe realizing like you know, there's a nice arc there. There's a nice almost. It's kind of depressing in places, but it's actually ultimately quite an uplifting message of a movie. Um, really well directed, and uh, no, it's a good film. Cool. So my what are we on thirty three? Yes. Yeah, thirty three. Uh, that will be Zombieland, and this is uh, one of those you know comedies mixed with something else sort of movies that uh, I like a lot. Uh, it's it zombies and then it's funny and it's got it's got heart to it as well which which counts for a lot in these sorts of movies for me where it's got you know something to connect to as well as just killing zombies which is always fun and you know its rules are always nice when they pop up it's got style yeah well, <laughs> i can't i can't fault that um i don't love zombie land I, I, I mean i think it's fine like i think there's moments uh, I'm well, not, I've only seen it once, so maybe if I rewatch that. I remember, I remember seeing it in the cinema, and you know, the the opening credits of a you know, big Metallica song comes on. I'm like, oh mm. yeah, okay, I, I get what they're going for tone wise. This is this is hitting me nicely. Yeah, no, um, actually, yeah, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Of it. I think the Bill Murray stuff is probably my, <laughs> probably my that, favorite that, part. That that stuff is very solid. But I mean, Woody Harrelson's uh, you know reliable as ever. Yeah. Um. So my number thirty three is a film called Me and You and Everyone We Know. It's an indie drama, a quirky drama, about a lot of characters. Now, it's been a lot of times I've seen it, so forgive me if I don't get super in-depth on plot here, but it's a really well-acted and really kind of poignant little movie about all these characters and what they're going through. You've got like a couple of teen girls, you've got uh, John Hawks playing like a, 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 a sort of middle-aged guy, you've got all these different people who've got all their own different problems, and it's just kind of one of these movies where they all kind of intersect at various points. Uh, in this small town over the course of the movie. Um, and it's got this really great kind of, not dreamlike, but just this tone. I, 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 basically the indie quirky drama tone, I guess is what I'm going to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've not seen this movie, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, what, what tone that. I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So th- that's kind of um, what it is. But it was just a movie that by the end, like I was really into the character stories. This was one that I just like stumbled across, I think, late night on TV. Like back, uh, yeah. uh, so, so, this came out in two thousand five. I think it was on like a TV channel somewhere at like two in the morning, and I just stumbled onto it and watched it, and was like, "Well, that was that was really goddamn good." Like, what was that? That, that, that that's the the way I kind of got into it. Like, the first time I properly sat down and watched a horror movie was it that sort of situation? An entire like, genre. <laughs> just well, I mean, like, I mean, I, I didn't really watch them that much. I didn't really, I didn't really see the appeal necessarily at the time. And I thought, well, it's on, and it was the 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 Japanese version of, of the Grudge. Okay, yeah. And I was like, do you know what? I like that a lot. I can I can see that. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. 
So what we got? Uh, Thirty-two. So this is this is a Disney movie. Uh, this is this is Bolt. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this one. I have not. No, this is number no. four then in my not seen list. Yes, I, I'd recommend this. This is essentially Disney doing a superhero movie with with a dog. Uh, it's it's essentially the dog is a it works on a TV show that where it's you know it's got superpowers, but of course it doesn't actually have superpowers, but it believes it does, and it gets out into the wild and you know has some adventures. Hmm, it's pretty solid. I have nothing to say or add. No, no, one. no. But, but I mean, the, the the superhero trope side of it and the way it deconstructs those might I, I, Honestly, I can't say I've ever heard anyone talk about this fondly. This is out of nowhere for me in terms of you bringing it's this up. It's really solid, yeah. Okay, that, I, can't, I can't argue. My number 32 is actually Hot Fuzz. Uh, which, again, I mean, I mean, you can still argue this is kind of mixed with other things, but it's, this is mostly a mostly comedy. Mostly a comedy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is obviously the Cornetto trilogy. It's Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, it's those guys. And this is just a movie that I think is so tight in its script. I think every single line of dialogue is either a joke or it's setting something up for later. There's there's payoff to everything. There is. Uh, it's also really violent in places, which I love. I love how the gore looks when it actually starts happening. Yes, the, the certain church roof yeah. oh, it is infamous. It, it, it just... It's full of great characters, it's full of great jokes, and it's full of subversions and references to other action movies. I think it really pays homage to all these different things. And it's weird, because it took something from an old movie, uh, namely Point Break, and made it relevant for a new generation who never probably seen Point Break. Yeah. And what's funny is Hot Fuzz is now old enough that... I mean, I think Hot Fuzz is now... Hold on. Point Break was like 91, 92... So it's 15 years. It's not been 15 years, but we're not that far away until this is a just couple as, of years. Yeah. yeah, until this is just as old as to and what some, Point Break and was. And something can reference yeah. Hot Fuzz and and do that again, the whole thing yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of insane. Actually, thinking about that. Yeah. No, I I love this movie. It's fantastic and and a great cast across the board as well. Yeah. Uh, also, a lot of jokes I remember when it came out. Uh, you know, Nick Frost character has these he's he's curtain and then there's all these DVDs behind it. A lot mm. of jokes about that being similar to my uh <laughs> my, my my room at the time because I had a lot of DVDs <laughs> even in high school. So yeah. of course you did. Yeah. Uh but hey. No, uh, my my thirty one is Mean Girls. And you know uh, no no. Again, I mentioned earlier how I really like these coming of age movies and they work for me and this is fun <laughs> and it's funny and I love it and shut your mouth, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I will, I will defend this movie as so much fun for, right, for as long uh, as I have to. That's the fifth one I've not seen. Okay. Do you know what? I've actually had a friend who for about five, six years has been trying to get me to watch Mean Girls. It's, it's, a, it's a flux in the waiting. And luckily, when I left college, I didn't see her as much. So now, like, the cha- the, you know, the window to make me do it is kind of passed. It's a flux in the waiting. Someone add it to the, to the vault list, and then <laughs> at some point he'll have to do it. Mm. Uh, one of our patrons, please. That, that vault list is not a promise that we'll do it every single no, no, one. No, 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 but I will get a pick off that vault list at some point, and I will pick that one, so he has to watch it. We'll see. Um, hey, I'm at like, I don't know, but... Yeah. It's just, no, no. It's just... no, not what you're expecting. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, my number 31 is a film called Mysterious Skin, uh, which is another one that I kind of found almost out of nowhere. Uh, probably not too long after it came out. It's a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Now, I knew him at the time from Third Rock from the Sun. 
and he was maybe in one or two things before then, movie-wise. But this was before he, he was a big movie guy, where you saw him in a yeah, lot of different things. Yeah, household name now. Yeah. Uh, and it's a movie about... And the story starts separately. It's him and this other guy who are both kind of traumatised. And the other character believes he was abducted by aliens as a kid. And he's trying to like prove that that happened. Uh, whereas Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, he's more kind of like... He's a gay character and he's dealing with all these weird problems that he's got because of uh, like what he went through with his mother and he's got this bad family background and it's all the kind of like just the messed up the way his life is and the messed how messed up he is and the way he, he acts with people and the stories end end up sort of interlinking later on in really interesting ways and it's a it's a really heavy movie like when when you sort of get to what's really going on and what it's about it gets really kind of deep and kind of like okay. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it's a really good character piece uh, for both these characters, and I, I love the, uh, the the tone and just just that idea that amongst all this stuff, like, there's this idea of like, was some did something magical happen to this kid? You know, what was there? Yeah. You know, this this actual alien abduction of some kind that he seems to believe, and he's trying to prove that these other because he believes that like three or four other kids were also abducted, and he's trying to prove and get them to admit that it happened. And there's all these. It's a really good movie. Uh, with layers to it, and I, I really, I'd highly recommend it. But don't look it up. Don't don't spoil anything because I, I do think it goes in places that I don't. I'm not going to say that you, you don't see it coming by the time it happens, but I, I think it would be a shame to you, know you don't want to know watch. beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, mysterious skin. Sounds good. So my number thirty. Ah, yes. This is fearless. Uh, this is a, a Jet Li movie. This is another one that's a, a, a loosely a, a biopic uh, based on you know true story, and it's it's another you know martial artist. It's a story of it's again it's a kind of tropey thing in this genre. I think of you know uh, it's it's arrogance. This this arrogant man who you know has all these things. He's like no, I'm better than all of you, and you know, eventually you know, he has to learn humility and and to mercy in 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 the arena essentially. But it's a, it's a really solid story. I know I saw this, but you don't remember it. I don't remember it at all. I, don't, I just—I guess I'm saying it's forgettable. <laughs> I, never, I, mean, I mean, that's fair. I, I like it. But... I never struck a chord, but I—I I know I've seen it. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I know—I know I did see it. Um, because I think I had the DVD at the time. I think I bought it thinking I'd like it, and it was just. Uh, um, okay. okay, my number thirty. Oh man, I'm in a really dark place with this this chunk of the list uh requiem for a dream <laughs> is my number 30 mm, great movie yeah darren aronofsky this is a movie about a group of characters it's basically an anti-drug movie <laughs> but i think it's effective in that i think if you show this to someone who's thinking about getting into some of the harder drugs they're going to maybe question their, their their choices in life because this is dark you see the absolute you see the it's delirious you feel like the characters don't know what they're doing a lot of the time it has different types of like addiction because you, you have like the mother character has just been addicted to pills that she, you know, yeah. they, they start off as prescription, but it becomes it gets, an addiction. It gets worse, yeah. yeah. It's got such a, a frantic editing style to match this as well. Very frantic, yeah. It puts you sort of in their mindset. It gets very dark. I'll also say some of the sound effects, and this is a compliment, but at the same time, oh, it made it hard I'm to just, watch. I, I just like shivered at just remembering them. I remember get physically feeling a little bit ill. Uh, because every time the the, the older woman uh, popped the pills, you got these close ups of her mouth, and you'd hear the, the sort of the sound of the pill going in their mouth, and it was very loud, and it was very like I started to feel sick watching this. But it's I think so uncomfortable. It's a very intentional effect, though. It's very effective in what it's doing. And uh, speaking of movies that have like a a piece of music that's been used by a lot <laughs> yes, of things, this is yeah. this is another one that's got one of those. So yeah, Lux Eterna is is iconic again now. Mm. Like, 
great piece. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, what am I? Number 29. So this is uh, another one people probably find too low. This is Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Now, before I get into this, I will add, this is one that will maybe move up when I watch it again. Because this is one, that, again, I only watched at the near the start of this year and uh, for the first time. And I liked it a lot. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the top 30, so clearly I liked it a lot. But I just, it's one of those, okay, okay, I like what it's doing, but I really just need it to sit with me for longer and watch it again and see how I feel about it in the future before I can dare put it any higher. Hmm. Um, well, obviously, I'm going to have that later. Yeah, that, that's, so that's I'm why I'm just kind of leaving now. I'm just going to move on. My number 29 is Lost in Translation, which is the uh, Scarlett Johansson, who I, I don't think I realised how young she was when she made this, because... She's not that old right now, so she couldn't have been that that old at the time. Because this is this is now fifteen years old. Yeah. So and she's you know I think, I think she's like thirty three, thirty four now. So she was about eighteen when she made this, and it's uh, this is a very unconventional just kind of relationship movie where it's kind of a love story, but it's it's, it's more about you know it's this idea they're both in Japan and there's no one to talk to, so they find each other, and it's it's very beautifully filmed, it's very beautifully acted, it's a very quiet film, very somber. Uh, a lot of awkward silences. It's a very sort of realistic film in that sense, where it has all these all these pauses where you can just kind of soak things in. It's about taking in the world around you in the atmosphere. So, lost in translation. Mm. Cool. Uh, my 28, uh, we've actually just mentioned it recently, that's uh, Hot Fuzz. Love it. We, we just spoke about it. So, yep. you'll go. Uh, move on. <laughs> my number 28, we're back to a horror movie. This is Ginger Snaps. Uh, it's a werewolf movie uh, you know what there's not a lot of great werewolf movies I've said this a lot in streams there's only like a handful that are really great and Ginger Snaps is one of the more recent examples uh, Catherine Isabel the whole thing is a is an analogy for puberty and specifically female puberty where you you, you, you know the, the idea of the, the werewolf being uh, the same at a period. time of the month yeah. yes the, the, that whole metaphor it's there and it's playing with it and the idea that she becomes this vicious person as this happens as she starts to explore sexuality this sort of stuff happens so it's a very strong me- uh, movie in terms of themes in terms of what it's doing yeah. and it's ma- using it for something else given that it's such a, a obvious parallel i'm surprised it hasn't been done more yeah no it's funny it's a canadian film as well uh, i'll point out hmm, cool. Not got a whole lot of them. But at one point you see some kids playing hockey in the street and they're like, oh, okay, it's Canada. It's Canada. <laughs> yeah, one of those. It's um, Canada. Okay, so my 27 is another Disney movie, actually. This is The Princess and the Frog. Now, this is a, an interesting one. This is one that was still a 2D animated movie, kind of after they'd begun the shift to 3D animation. Uh, this has got a great time. It's set in, in New Orleans. It's got you know a, really, a, a jazz music score. It has probably my favorite villain song from all of Disney movies, which, I mean, you know, a lot of them are pretty iconic in their own right, but I really love this one. And it's it's got a lot of dark humor in it, uh, and it's got a great tone. There's only one villain song I can name you that I like, because I don't remember any oh, other ones. Which one? I'm interested. Oh, right, I came from Basil the Great Mouse Detective, obviously. Oh, uh, uh, of course, of course. Because it's the best 2D animated Disney movie, by far. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. It's up there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, it's it's my definitely up there. by far. But... <laughs> uh, you put me on the spot with that statement. <laughs> I love that movie. Which is actually one of the first ever movies with CGI in it, by the way, for the record. It is, yeah. And it works uh, really well. Yeah. Uh, 27. 
Uh, oh, my movie actually compliments Princess and the Frog quite a bit. Oh, nice. It's called American Psycho, and it's a movie starring Christian Bale uh, as not Batman, he's Bateman in this. Yeah, it's close, but yeah, yeah, X yeah. letter makes all the difference. But he is, he is this, you know, upper class asshole who has a fancy job. It's the 80s, so there's a lot of 80s music in the soundtrack. Uh, it's based on a book as well, of course, but it's he, he th- is a psychopath, I guess that's maybe an obvious thing to say, but he oh, it, he is killing people left and right. We constantly hear his narration and his weird viewpoint in the world and how he analyses things, how he thinks about things. He's a complete sociopath, the way he thinks, and it's got a lot of dark humour, the way he like you know thinks about something, like someone will say something, he, he, he'll just like... He'll actually say out loud to our perspective, like, oh, I want to effing kill you so much right now. But, you know, he doesn't actually say that. We see it, so it's, it's like a funny, dark moment. There's a lot of that. It gets kind of surreal towards the end. And, of course, there's twists and turns. And it's a sort of dark trip through a psyche. Uh, mm. But like I say, full, full of humour and very memorable moments. Mm, cool. So, 26, which, you know, last of this part now. So this is House of Flying Daggers. I think this is a, a lot of fun. It's you know it's got some great you know, wire work going on in the martial arts stuff, uh, but it, you know it, it, it differentiates say from just you know regular martial arts movie. It's got this it's really strong romance plot and this you know this this interesting structure of of, of a chase that that kind of plays a through line. Yeah, this is a beautiful movie. Uh, it's it very, is. very pretty. Yeah. A lot of bright colors, a lot of good action sequences, very good music as well. Mm. Uh, I actually I'll just spoil something here. Say that's just miss my cut. This this is if this if I was going up to like a hundred, this would be like fifty four or something like that. This would have just been below. No, no, that's fair. So, but it's really good. I like it a lot. I love it. It is very good. Uh, if I, it was the first film I seen by uh, uh, Zhang Yimou, the director. Mm. My number twenty six, uh, last of the last of the video, last of this part is the wrestler, uh, Mickey Aronofsky again uh, popping up. This is above Requiem for a Dream. Yes, I like this one more. This is, he plays an aged wrestler who was a big star in the 80s, but now he's kind of, you know, he's, he's old, he's kind of broken, he's doing these little small indie shows. And it's a story about kind of stubbornness and giving up what you love because it's unhealthy for you, but still wanting to do it anyway. This is a movie about a broken man who, you know, his life's went to kind of shit because he let it and he he's let it go that way. And he's, he's, he's got a chance to kind of maybe reclaim it. Maybe, you know, actually have his daughter in his life again maybe actually have like a, a relationship with someone that's meaningful and it's you know it's it's a movie with hope it's a movie with that hope tarnished in, in several scenes uh, it's actually kind of funny at times it's kind of amusing and I think it's a movie that works regardless of if you care about wrestling I mean I think if you do you, you kind of get some of the the little just kind of touches there's a, there's a really nice scene for example when he when he's given up he's, the doctors told him he can't do it anymore he's, he's too sick he's too ill and he's, his body's just too broken and he gets a job at a supermarket at the, the butcher's counter and I just want to mention this scene because it's just a standout scene I think just thematically where he's going out to the the counter he's in the back of the, of the supermarket and the you know in the storage or whatever he's gotten ready for work he's got the hairnet on and we follow him from behind walking to the, the front of the store and he goes to like you know the the plastic like divider I can't, yeah. what do you call them they, they always get them at these kind of places but he goes through that like a curtain and it, it plays like when a wrestler's going through the backstage to enter to do his thing but now he's entering to you know cut a meat like i i've not watched any wrestling really mm-hmm. i've you know clips here or there that you, know, that you just kind of see but i think even i would get the 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 
idea of that. Yeah, they, you know, they, just they, as you're describing it, it's like, yeah, okay, I get what it's playing. Yeah, they, in the audio, uh, like you hear crowd chanting as he's walking out. Oh, so you, just so make it, it more obvious. It makes it very clear, yeah, if you, if you don't get it, but it. It, it's just a really great moment that kind of encapsulates it. So, you know, it's a really good And it especially since there's a lot of actual real wrestlers who you can kind of look at and say, this is kind of their story. It's really sad to say that, but it's kind of them. This this is actually something I've owned for about three, three and a <laughs> half years and haven't watched yet. So maybe an influx soon so I can just take it off the list. The original song that was written for it as well uh, is very good. Cool. I'm not sure if I know it. Uh, I'm trying to remember the artist and I can't. It's really annoying me. But it's a really good song. I might know if I heard it. Yeah. I just didn't realise it was from this movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is number 26. So that is the end of part one of our top 50 movies from the 2000s. So, uh, we'll obviously we'll be back in a few days' time with part two, with the final top 25. Uh, it's weird to... We can't really reflect too much yet because obviously we know what our next 25s are. We don't want to reveal them. But like we say, it's been an interesting mix. Certainly there's been more anime, or even just more animated in general on Connor's list than mine. There is. I like a lot of animated movies. What can I say? Uh, I had a few horror movies, uh, a few science fiction movies. Definitely played into my uh, kind of yeah. Few horror, few foreign movies here or there. On, on both, I think. Yeah. Yeah, on both. Cer- certainly, yeah. And um, no, probably the extent of the comedies that I'm going to have. I imagine. Well, maybe it depends how you count something else later on. <laughs> but yeah, I might, I might have a, a couple more, but it's yeah. a major. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, of course, if you want to make up your own top list of the 2000s and post it in the comments uh, by all means uh, do so uh, it's always interesting to see that stuff and if you want to like, you know well you want to save it for the next part and just do all 50 in the one go or if you just want to make a top 25 and just post it in that, that that's cool too it doesn't have to be the whole 50 uh, but if, if you do if you, if you do want to put it in two halves and put the first half here by all means uh, join in the or fun f- feel free to to make guesses at what uh, what you think our top few might be oh yeah do that that'll, that'll be fun yeah. go on no if you're watching this in the future no cheating and going oh, yeah. to the other video and then coming yeah. back and commenting. Oh yeah, I'm basically just going to ignore any comments or any guesses that are made after the second one goes up. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're we on to you. Yeah, there's, there's no point. I'm not going to believe you. It's fine. Uh, but no, so obviously uh, by all means uh, come back for part two and hopefully this has been a fun uh, reveal. Hopefully you get some recommendations maybe throughout this uh and a wide variety since we've got vastly different lists in a lot of ways we do have very different tastes uh, even, Tim, even though we have a lot of yeah, similar things when me and Tim did the horror movie list there was a bit more overlap even though there was clearly different tastes uh, kind of driving the order of things but uh, yeah. this one's been fewer and further between at least so far I, I do think it's interesting if you, obviously if, you're, if you've been watching in flux over the year you'll see we, we're mostly relatively similar in taste and when when we watch a movie we kind of tend to agree for the most part i mean there's a few times we don't but mostly yeah but i think if we typically if we went for animes and we went for we're not really doing anything that yeah. we know pete is just going to hate because or, you know, because what's the point admittedly though the one anime we did do i ended up liking but that's that's neither here nor that, there that, that was pretty good that's neither here nor there but yeah, so we'll be back for that, and like I say, we're going to do a top fifty science fiction movies at the end of January. Which I mean, I actually wanted to do a top one hundred, but Connor's not seen enough to do a top one hundred. I mean, I so, might have done. I don't know. I'd have to really look at it. Uh, yeah, but you'd probably like your 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 first twenty at the start would probably the, the, just be okay. scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like, okay, technically these are the ones here because it's the ones I've seen, but they're not really actually ones I love. Here, here's the thing: you have a database of every movie you've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I I've got the the movies I've seen since the start of 2015 all logged, but you know, 
I have to kind of go through and find these movies manually and remember them. So it's it's a lot more work. Yeah. So to I'll just be, go, all right, 100 off the top of my head. So it'll be a top 50. But I'm just warning you now, in like two or three years' time, we might go back and do a top 100 sci-fi movies just because he might be ready for it then. That's true. We'll, we'll see how many I can cram in in January. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to try and watch a bunch more to hopefully fit some in. So there'll probably be a few sci-fi episodes in January just for, for that reason. Yes, because I'll watch them and go, hey, I'm watching this. Go watch it. Yeah, it could lead to extra episodes, because if he watches something and he wants to talk about it, then it might lead to a few extra bonus episodes. I won't promise that, but it could happen. It could. Uh, so, so no, that, that, that has been part one of the top movies of the 2000s. So hopefully this was enjoyable. I uh, got some recommendations. Uh, let us know what you thought of the, the list so far, as well as your guesses and stuff in the comments. Like, subscribe. If you want to support the show and support the channel, head over to patreon.com slash TV, and you can do that over there. Uh, uh, there'll be a link in that in the description as well, as well as some other useful links. I also just just to add on just before we say goodbye. Finally, this was actually kind of inspired because all the other shows have like top tens and stuff for the end of the year because you know it's the end of the year, so you know, ten best horror movies, ten best TV shows, that kind of thing. Can't... Happy New Year! It won't be the New Year yet. Well, it's close enough. <laughs> it's not even New Year's Eve yet when this goes up. I don't, I don't care. It's close enough fine but because we're, we want to do something this is kind of what inspired the idea of doing countdowns and we thought oh, we actually kind of like doing that anyway so we might do that maybe every few months which is why we're making this a thing now so so hopefully fun uh, so thank you very much for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies and we'll see you next time